As I told you last week, it was two weeks ago during the pastor appreciation service when Pastor Mark was preaching on Hezekiah, and he preached a message titled, Prayer Changes Things. If you didn't get to hear that message, I encourage you, please go back and listen to it on the podcast or watch it on the Facebook page or the YouTube channel. But as he was preaching, this was not his text. It was just something he made reference to. It wasn't even a text that he gave the media department. It was just a a text that he made reference to. Uh, And when he quoted this text in Matthew's gospel that I'm about to read, the Lord immediately began talking to me that morning in that service. And when Jesus was in the temple, turning over the tables of the money changers and those who sold doves, when he was chasing, literally chasing some folks out of the church, possibly even with a whip, according to John's gospel. That was John's account, that he took cords and he braided a whip and he chased them out of the temple with a whip. So the next time somebody asks you what would Jesus do, you tell them turning over tables and chasing people with a whip is not beyond the realms of possibility, right? But anyway, while he was doing those things, I want you to remember he said these words. If you'll stand with me all over the house, I'm going to read one verse of Scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter 21 and verse 13. In the New King James Version, And he said to them, It is written. So he made reference to a passage of Scripture. We'll talk about that later on. But he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And when Pastor Mark said, My house shall be called a house of prayer, it was those words that just kept ringing in my ears. And they've rang in my ears for two weeks now. So this morning, I want to talk to you about a house of prayer. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. God, I don't know today if if people will hear and receive what you're trying to speak to us. But God, I pray for the next few moments that you would remove every hindrance and every distraction from us hearing and receiving what you're trying to speak to us today. God, I pray that you would help us know the difference between conviction and offense. Lord, that we would be able to process conviction when we realize we're guilty and we need to do what your word tells us to do. And that, God, we would be receptive to what you're speaking to us today because I believe with all of my heart, if we'll do what you're speaking to us, God, we'll see you move in miraculous ways. So, God, I'm asking you to do through your word today what only you can do. And we'll give you and you alone the glory, the honor, and the praise. For you're the only one that's worthy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. After that service two weeks ago, I was just beginning when the service concluded to just try and discern what the Lord was speaking to me. And so I went to uh, Phyllis White and asked her after the service if she had received an update on the lobby furniture because I had checked on the sanctuary chairs and I knew what that update was. And, and she had ordered the lobby furniture, so I asked her if she had an update on that. And she said, oh my goodness, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that on Pastor Appreciation. But yes, I do have an update. I got it last week while you were on vacation. I didn't want to bother you while you were there, but it's looking like it's going to be sometime up in October. And I said, okay. And I left that day thinking about what the Lord kept speaking to me about a house of prayer. But I kept thinking, we're not going to have furniture until at least sometime in October. 
We won't have everything we need for worship services until sometime in October. Yet those words, a house of prayer, kept ringing in my ears. And on Monday morning, as I was talking to the Lord, and I was saying, God, we're, we're not going to have this. We're not going to have that. We, I, I know you're speaking to me. What are you trying to say to me? And the Lord spoke to me clearly, and He said, You're concerned with making my house a house of worship. But if you will make it a house of prayer, I will make it a house of worship. And I said, Okay, what do you mean, Lord? And I began to think, because you know what? A lot of people have said throughout this process, we just need to, it's done enough, we just need to move in there. Well, the average person doesn't realize uh, what an astronomically sized move this is with some things. There's a lot of details in the move that most people wouldn't realize, and that's fine. I, I understand you wouldn't realize. But when we have our last service here on September the 19th, there's a lot of things that have to be taken out of here uh, in, involving the sound, the media, the lighting, all kinds of other things, live stream. Those have to be transported uh, and installed uh, in the new building uh, with a new system. And we got to work all the tweaks out and make sure everything's working. There's some things that have to be moved and repurposed. But guess what? We don't need any of that stuff to pray. We don't need any of that stuff to pray. So listen to me when I tell you these nights of prayer are not going to be full-blown worship services. I'm not even talking about formal prayer services. I am talking about, though, it being open to anybody who wants to come and join us. I'm talking about us gathering together, sharing uh, some scripture from God's Word for just a few moments, and uh, anybody who wants to join us coming in there, I want us to acknowledge uh, needs that we have in the church, but also in our schools, in our community, in our city, in our state. God knows we need the Lord in our state and in this country. Can I get an amen? We need Him. And I, we, I want us to take just a few minutes to acknowledge those things, but then... I want us to take the remaining 45 minutes or so. We're just going to do one hour from 7 to 8. I want us to take the, the remaining 45 minutes or so, turn on some background music, and just simply find a place in that big open sanctuary to just get down on our knees and get down to business with God and pray. How many knows what I'm talking about? Now, here's what I'm going to say this morning, and, and I want you to understand if, if this fits you, that's okay. I believe that there are people that the first time that we do this, they're going to find a spot in that sanctuary and they're going to get down and they're going to struggle with what to say and they're going to struggle with taking 30 or 45 minutes to communicate with the Lord. And, and that's okay because I'm realizing, folks, the reality is we're trying to do church in a church world that doesn't know how to pray. And I promise you, if you'll just hang out there for a few minutes, you'll think of some things that you need to talk to God about. If you'll just tune out everybody else around you and not worry about what somebody else is praying or what they're saying, and you'll begin to just talk and commune with God, I promise you 30 or 45 minutes will go by before you've even known what's happened, but you'll get up feeling refreshed, you'll get up feeling new, you'll get up feeling good because you'll know that you've talked to God and now God's got an opportunity to talk to you. See, we've got caught up in thinking in the church world today that God needs a major production before He can move. But let me remind you that in the book of Acts, the first church was not birthed while somebody was preaching. The first church was not birthed 
while the worship team was up singing. The first church was not birthed with all of the help of projection, media, sound, and lighting. But the first church was birthed. Now, there are about 360 or so people, and we are, those of you that, that are new, I know we got some new folks wanting to join our faith family, and you're not really new anymore. You've been here for a while, and COVID's just thrown everything off the loop. We've not had new members' classes and taken in new membership, but we're going to do that. We already count you family, so don't worry about that. You're already family. So we're going to have more than this, but right now, uh, I think on our membership role, there's about 360-some-odd people that consider Freedom Point Church home. Now, there may only be 30-some of those 360-some that join me for that first prayer meeting. I don't know, but I'm asking you to, to clear your schedules and do that. But let me tell you something. There was a lot of folks that referred to themselves and called themselves believers in the day that I'm talking to you about. But when 120 people, how I many knows what I'm talking about, who, say, who got together and said, we're going to do what Jesus said. What did Jesus say to do? Jesus said, get up in that room and you tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Tarry. And when 120 people got together and they made up their minds and they said, God, we didn't come to socialize. We didn't come for a production. We didn't come to be recognized. We came on business for the king. We're here to communicate with you. And God, we're not leaving until you communicate back with us. When they made up their mind and they tarried, the words said suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting not only did it fill the house where they were sitting the word said in cloven tongues like as a fire descended and set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance let me tell you I'm not about this prayer meeting being just so people talk in tongues I'm about this prayer meeting being people who are serious about getting a hold of God and God's presence filling that house because I promise you if we'll make that house a house of prayer God will blow our minds with what he'll do there's a man named Jim Cimbala somebody know some people some of you know who he is he's the pastor of a little bitty church known as the Brooklyn Tabernacle Right? Early, in, I read this this week and it stirred me. As a matter of fact, I'm going to order a book today, sometime today of his that he wrote that I want to read just because I read this article. I've done Bible studies by him before, but there's a particular book I want to read because I never heard this story before that I read in this article this week. But he told his small congregation. It was small then. Um, I, I was joking a minute ago. Now I'm not joking. It was small when he got there. 1971, when he and Sister Carol got to the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. Now, go home today and look it up online if you don't know the church. But even if you do know the church, look it up online and look at what they believe. Look at all of their beliefs. They are a, a spirit-filled congregation. Now, I'm not knocking any denominations. I just want to tell you how it started. When he got there, that church was originally a Presbyterian church. Wow. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being Presbyterian. They just typically don't worship the way I do, right? I would probably stick out like a sore thumb in most of the Presbyterian churches, and that's okay. They were a Presbyterian church. And here's what and they were small in number. You know how many people attended? About 41 people in attendance in that little church. Pastor Simbola got discouraged and he was ready to quit. 
But here's what he told his congregation. He said the Lord spoke to him. And God said, and I quote, If you call, if we'll call on the name of the Lord, God has promised in his word to answer and to bring the unsaved to himself and to pour out his spirit among us. If, if we'll call upon the Lord, God has promised us to do that. But if we do not call upon the Lord, God hasn't promised us anything. And so they began to pray. Do you know that prayer meeting still goes on every Tuesday night at Brooklyn Tabernacle? Do you know how many people join in that prayer meeting every week? About 3,000 people gather into that sanctuary every Tuesday night to pray. What a, what a powerful premise behind the practice of prayer. If we pray, church, God's power will be manifested in and through our lives and in through this ministry. But if we do not, it will not. Did you hear me? And it's not because God can't act if we don't pray, but it's rather because God will act through somebody else who is praying if we're not praying. So we might be the most orthodox in belief uh, and in our doctrine. We might be the most inspirational and maybe even talented in our worship and in our music. But listen to me, without prayer, we have no power. Without prayer, we have no power. And Pastor Simbola said it best when he told his congregation. He said, and I quote, No matter what I preach or what we claim to believe in our heads, the future of this church will depend upon our times of prayer. Prayer will be the engine that drives the church. In other words, if we have no prayer life as a church, we'll have no fuel to accomplish the task that God has called us to do. And I'm telling you this morning, I believe that if we will come together, if I can get some people who will join with me and sacrifice one hour on Monday night. Now here's the kicker. You're going to have to decide what's more important really in your life. Now there'll be some that cannot, absolutely cannot make that one hour meeting on a Monday night. But here's what I'm asking you to do. You make a personal one hour meeting yourself at home. And you say, God, or the church, we'll let you in the church. You say, God, I couldn't make it on Monday nights when the rest of my faith family was praying, but I'm giving you this one hour. That's what I'm asking you to do because I believe if we'll do that, God will provide everything we need to accomplish the mission that he's given us to do. Ian e. Bounds said this. He said, the Holy Spirit does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint, listen to this, he does not anoint plans, but he anoints men. Men of prayer. I want to tell you something this morning. God doesn't anoint buildings. God doesn't anoint uh, instruments. God doesn't anoint machinery. But God does anoint men and women who will dedicate themselves to prayer. And if we will dedicate ourselves to prayer, God will, and we make His house a house of prayer, God will make His house a house of miracles. Because when we pray, the miraculous can take place. When we pray, drug addicts can be delivered. When we pray, lost people will be saved. When we pray, broken homes can be restored and put back together. When we pray. Charles Spurgeon said this, a prayerful church is a powerful church. If that's true, then the opposite is true as well. A prayerless church is a powerless church. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So very quickly, today I'm going to give you some points 
I want to talk about. First of all, the purpose of the house. What is the purpose of God's house? Why did God have the tabernacle built in the Old Testament? Why did God have Solomon build the temple, build him a temple? God answers that question for us in his word. We find in Exodus chapter 29 verses 42 and 43, we find the purpose of the tabernacle when the Lord said, This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. See, the tabernacle was a place where God met with his people. God said the tabernacle was the place where he would meet with his people to speak with them. That's what the word said. How do we speak with or communicate with God, pastor? We communicate with God through prayer. And then the Lord communicates back to us through his word and through his spirit. And so thus the tabernacle was a place of prayer. And so it was with the house of the Lord that was built by Solomon. Now Jesus confirms this for us when he cleansed the temple of the money changers. And as he ran the money changers out, he said, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer. And he quoted this from the prophet Isaiah. When he said it is written, he was actually quoting previous scripture. He quoted it from the prophet Isaiah, speaking of those strangers, is what he referred to them, of Israel, who would join themselves to the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 7, he said, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Even them, the strangers, will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in the house of prayer. Can I tell you, even the lost and the drug addicts of our city that live around that church that we live in, or that, we're, that we're going to occupy, that we're going to worship in, I'll probably practically live there, but anyway, even, even down there, God's saying, those strangers, those drug addicts, those lost people around you, even then, the, those folks, even then, I'll bring them to my holy mountain and I'll make them joyful in my house of prayer. Can I tell you when God changes your life it'll do something for you. He'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. He goes on to say their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted upon my altar for my house God said in the Old Testament shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. What's that mean for all people? As they say today for everybody. For everybody. Clearly we see from the scripture that the purpose of the house of God is to be a place of communication between God and man. And this is accomplished primarily through prayer and the study of his word. And as it was then, so it is now a meeting place for God to communicate with us both individually and corporately. I believe God's going to speak to us as a church in our times of prayer. But I believe he's going to speak to us individually in our times of prayer. The question is, how have we been doing in fulfilling God's purpose for his house? That's a tough question to ask ourselves, which brings me to my second point. I want to talk about the problem in the house. Now, I'm not trying to be anybody's judge. I'm just going to say this. As I scan the vast sea of Christian culture in America today, I think that we have missed the boat on the purpose of God's house. I think we've missed the boat. On the purpose of God's house. I believe we're a lot like the money changers in Jesus' day. Jesus, as he was running them out of the house of God, he told them that they had made it a den of thieves because they're robbing uh, the people who came to convert their money and to buy sacrifices. They had turned 
the house of God. Listen to your pastor this morning. They had turned the house of God into a den of thieves. Now listen, we they had turned it into something that it was not intended to be. Did you hear me? We may not have turned the house of God into a den of thieves, but many of us have turned it into something that it was not intended to be. Now it's probably going to get quiet when I say this. And I told them this morning, I've just come to the conclusion in my life. See, see, we have this problem. We have this problem in the church world today. People, people don't know the di- You can't get people convicted because they don't know the difference between conviction and offense. They can't process the difference when you preach something from the Word of God that crosses them. Somehow their minds today can't process the difference between being offended and the preacher being full of hate and bigotry, as they like to claim it, and the fact that the preacher's just trying to relay the message of the truth of God, and it's up to us whether we accept it. And I'm afraid a lot of people are finding a place somewhere where they're comfortable, where nobody crosses them or or offends them because they don't know how to process it as conviction. But I believe that can change if we'll pray. I believe God can condition the hearts of people if we'll pray. So hopefully he's conditioned your heart when I say what I'm about to say. Today, many houses of worship, when I said they turned the house of God into something it was never intended to be, today many houses of worship are nothing more than production houses for modern religious entertainment. That's what we're looking for. Many churches today are nothing more than social meeting places where men, women, boys, and girls come to socialize and have a good time. And I'm all about connection. As a matter of fact, we've got some connect groups. They're all going to start back up in September. I'm about people connecting with each other. But we're about more than just connecting and finding yourself a social connection in the house of God. That's what many churches have become. Everybody wants to find a place and they find a place. And and the sad thing is in today's church, we celebrate what we call being authentic. Uh, We celebrate sin and we call it being authentic with people and being real with people. And therefore, sin doesn't condemn us or convict us anymore. We just get together in our small groups with a lot of like-minded people and we pat each other on the back and we tell everybody they're going to heaven. But I'm afraid the Word of God does not endorse that. The Word of God does not permit that. It's time the church of God, and the only way I know to do it is to find a place of prayer and get a hold of God, to grab a hold of the horns of the altar. My God, we've left the altar out of the church today we think we don't need it anymore we think we don't need to kneel anymore we'll just stand there and talk to God and God will excuse everything we've done I want to tell you He will forgive you He will cover you in His blood but you've got to ask you've got to repent and if you want His anointing and you want His power you've got to seek His face it's the only way that it comes Many of today's churches have become the fast food restaurants of religion where we can come and get our weekly spiritual fix, you know, without disrupting the important events of our life. Because I've come to find out everything is more important most of the time than church is. Boy, that gets quiet. All kinds of other things more important 
than what church is. And rather than meet God at His house today, rather than really meet God in His house today, we go through the motions of empty rituals and we call it worship. We feel good about ourselves because we got up and we got dressed and we came and we sat but we didn't worship. And we heard the word but we didn't respond. And we feel good about ourselves because we've done that. We go through the motions of empty rituals and we call it worship. And I believe when God looks down on the modern church today, I believe He says right now what He said in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. Their heart is far from me. Now I know this gets quiet when you say this, but I'm just using this as an example. I've heard it said many times. I've heard many preachers say you can tell where your treasure is if you just let somebody look through your checkbook register. You can tell what your treasure is. You know what? You can also tell where people's hearts are by what they do with their time. Mm-hmm. See, whatever the church is today, it's for the most part not what it should be. We prance, we primp, we perform, and we patronize people. But we neglect the most important element of our coming together, and that is prayer. The problem with the house of God today is that we do not pray. So what must we do? I'm going to give you the prescription. Actually, God's Word gives you the prescription for the house. What is the prescription for the lack of prayer in the house of God? Are you ready? It's not anything elaborate. It's real simple. It's one word, prayer. The problem is a lot of people don't know how to do that. I'm realizing that the longer that I pastor. Some people say they have a relationship with God, but they never communicate with Him. It's okay if you find yourself there this morning. I believe you're going to learn how if you'll come spend some time with the Lord in prayer. See, if we want to see the power of the Spirit fall in our lives and in our church, we must become a people of prayer, and we must make God's house a house of prayer. All the way back in the Old Testament in Hosea, Hosea himself said it's time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. I believe it's time for the people of God to fall on their knees and on their faces before God and begin to seek God's face. we got to learn the heart of Moses when he asked God, when he said, Oh God, show us your glory. Listen, we got to, I believe uh, Dwight already read it this morning, we ought to pant. Just, if we ought to pant for God, as the psalmist said, just as the deer pants for the water brook. If we want to see the lost saved and the sick healed and the hungry fed and the world around us changed, our community around us changed, then we must pray. And this is not going to be on the screen because you ought to know it, really. We're given a prescription in the Word of God about prayer. And what is it? 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. What does it say? It says, if, first of all, that's conditional. If. If. That means everything that, that comes after this, we've got to do. He said, if my people, you know, those which are called by my name, those people that call themselves Christians, if they'll humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, ready for this, and turn from their wicked ways. we got a problem in the church today. Nobody wants to turn from their wicked ways because first of all, you can't convince them nothing's wicked because you can't convict them without them getting offended. Cheryl said, say that again. 
I said we got a problem in the church today. You can't get anybody to turn from their wicked ways because you can't convince them that anything's wicked because you can't get them convicted because all they do is get offended. But he said, if you'll turn from your... You know what? Your pastor's got wicked ways in his life. He was mad unto cussing this week. But he didn't cuss. But in his mind, in the silence of his life, they rolled off like a sailor. You know what we got to do? Turn from our wicked ways. If my people, which call themselves by my name. See, we got a lot of people in the world today who call themselves Christians. But that's all they do is call themselves Christians. There's no fruit to back any of it up. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. What did he say? Then. then you got to do all those things first. And then will I hear from heaven. My Lord, I want him to hear us. Then will I forgive their sin. I want him to. I don't know about you, but I want to be forgiven of everything unlike him in my life. And I need it frequently. Then I will heal their land. My God, if we've ever lived in a time when our land is sick. And I mean sick unto death. This nation is sick unto death. But God said, if my people stop worrying about the people that aren't his people. If God can just get his people to pray, humble themselves and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways then he'll hear from heaven he'll forgive our sin and he'll heal this sin sick land the power of God is unleashed when the people of God humble themselves and pray I'm almost done if you want to see your neighbor or your neighborhood changed then pray if you want to see the lost saved then pray you want to see your family change, then pray. If you want to see the sick healed, then pray. The single most important activity we as believers can do to affect change in our own lives is to pray. And when we pray, God has promised to respond. Very quickly, I want to go over the promise to the house and share some of these with you this morning. When we pray, God will act. Now, don't get me wrong. God can act whether we pray or not. But when we pray, God has promised to respond to the sincere, fervent, prayer of faith. I want to share some of these promises with you quickly from God's Word. Deuteronomy 4 and 29. They'll be on the screen for you. Read with me. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will what? Find Him. If, there it is conditional again, you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Matthew 21 21 and 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, what it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Luke 11, chapter 9 and verse 10. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 24. Watch this. It shall come to pass that when... Before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. God also promised us in the book of James, what did he say to us? He said that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or it accomplishes much. The effective, fervent prayer. I want to tell you this morning, if we pray, God's power will fall on our situation. I want to tell you that. Uh, Countless times in the Word of God, we can find examples where 
the power of prayer manifested in the life of those who pray. And if we long for the power of God, we must learn to pray to God. I'm going to share this very, very quickly. And then I'll move on to the last point. I'll get them up to the music and we'll close. But I'll never forget. I used to, some as a teenager, uh, attend Saturday night services with Pastor Janice Claypool at a church called the Ark of Mercy Church of God in Winchester, Kentucky. Back in those days, now today, Sister Janice has a sanctuary that seats about 700 people and it's debt free. But back in those days, she used to have service on Saturday nights. And uh, folks from visiting churches would come to that little bitty storefront church that she had on downtown on on some street, maybe even Main Street in downtown Winchester. And I'll, I'll never forget, now Sister Janice had probably more radical converts in her church than anybody I've ever known. I don't really know why as I was preparing this message she came to me. I've seen her at camp meeting uh, in, in recent years but I haven't talked to her in a long time. But she had more radical converts in her church than anybody I probably will ever know personally. I'm talking about drug addicts, uh, prostitutes, uh, uh, alcoholics, uh, you name it. Uh, I mean, the bad stuff. She had lots of radical conversions in that little storefront church. And on Saturday nights, if you wanted to attend, you had to get there early because that's when uh, neighboring people, churches, and people like us who drove from Corbin uh, to go up there every once in a while and be in service with them on a Saturday night, you had to get there early because that that church of about 150 would pack out. It might not even been that big, but it would pack out. And you had to get there early to get a seat. And I'll never forget, we would get there early and we'd sit in fellowship while we waited on service. And in that little storefront church, her office door came off the back of the sanctuary and there was a row of seats along the wall. And there would be people that would come in and they would fill those seats, five or six people, every Saturday night before service started. And they would go in Sister Janice's office and they would go in for prayer. You know why? They were new converts and they were struggling with the stuff. Now you could look at them and tell the kind of stuff they were struggling with. Uh, When I prayed before and said, God, give us the people nobody else wants, uh, I could give you some pictures of them. That's what the people that nobody else wants look like. They would sit in those chairs and she would call them in one by one and she would pray with them over what they were struggling with in her office. And you would hear the power of God come down. Every single person that she would pray with, she would pray with the same energy and the same fervency and the same prayer. And she's helped more people probably than anybody I know. But I I began to think about that. It didn't mean a lot then. But now as a pastor I thought about how, uh, how exhausting that must have been even before a service would start that she would put all of that fervency and all of that energy into prayer but my Lord the results that she had those two things I thought of was that and this also in one of those services on a Saturday night she was up preaching the word of God she was anointed the air conditioner went out in that storefront church and the front door was open and uh, they had saying the fans were going so the air could circulate and while she was preaching she just kind of stopped preaching and started praying and her eyes fixed right straight down the aisle at the back door and I'll never forget this as long as I live she began to pray and all she said to the church was pray saints I need somebody to help me pray and she just began to pray and then she began to pray in the Holy Spirit and she was speaking in tongues and she just began to pray and she began doing this number right here as she was she was pulling something in toward her and I look back and I promise you if I'm lying I'm dying there was a drunk man dog drunk man that was stumbling down there was a saloon next door to her church he was stumbling down the sidewalk in front of that church and when he got to that door and she saw him out there stumbling she began to pray and when I looked up when she was doing this and praying that man was coming from the back to the front and he was going like this every time she pulled he would go that man fell on the altar that night I believe he's still 
in her church today, he got radically delivered from alcoholism. Why? Because she had the power of God in her life. My God, give us a church that's got the power of God that when they come in addicted, they leave set free. When they come in lost, they leave saved. When they come in sick, they leave healed. But it takes power. It takes power. I want to talk to you about that power, the power of the house, and then I'm going to close. When we learn to pray, we'll once again sense the power of God being manifested in our lives. As the psalmist said, seek the Lord and His strength. That's what he said, and His strength. Seek His face evermore. How many can say, I need the strength of God? We need the strength of God. If you're spiritually weak, then pray. If you're spiritually hungry, then pray. If you're tired of being complacent in your walk with the Lord and you're willing to admit that you're complacent in your walk with the Lord, then pray. Because if you and I will earnestly and fervently seek the Lord with all of our soul, all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength, I believe God will manifest Himself in ways that we've never even dreamed of before. How do I know He will? Because He promised us in His Word that He would. Through the prophet Jeremiah, he said in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, he said, call to me and I will what? Answer you. It's that simple. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not, do not know. God has not only promised to hear us when we pray, but he promised to show us things that we've never seen before when we pray. If we pray, God will do wonderful and marvelous things just as he did in the days of the early church. I believe that. But I also believe that God can do something in our church just like he did in Brooklyn Tabernacle if we'll pray. Somebody said, now, Pastor, they run about 10,000 every weekend in Brooklyn Tabernacle. Listen, I believe God can do the same type thing right here in our city. And do you know if you break that down per capita, 10,000 people in Brooklyn, New York, waiting to get into a service, that'd be about like 500 people in Corbin, Kentucky, waiting to get into a service. I believe God can do more than that. I believe God can do more than that. But I believe we've got to pray. I want to share some... A passage of scripture from the book of Acts. Then go ahead and come to the music this morning that illustrate the power of God as it as it is unleashed through the lives of a praying church. The the word said in Acts chapter two verses forty two through forty seven. Listen to what it said. And they continued. Say continued. When does that stop? It doesn't. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in what? Prayer. Then. Fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and they had all things in common and they sold their possessions and their goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing, there it is again, daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Watch what happened. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When God's people commit themselves to prayer, I believe God will unleash His power. And when God unleashes His power, we see things like Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How many would love to see God blow our minds? I'd love to see God blow our minds. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Watch what it says. According to the power that works where? In us. If it's not at work in us, 
Did you get that? Go back for me, please. If it's thank you, if it's not at work in us, then God's not going to do it. Did you catch that? If it's not at work in us, God's not going to do it. But He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything we could ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. Now let's go on. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You stand with me all over the room today. All heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in this room today, I want to ask you right now, if you do not know where you would spend eternity if you went out into eternity today, I want to ask you right now, I'm not going to beg you, I'm not going to bribe you. I want to ask you right now to be a man or a woman and head toward this altar right now with determination that I'm not going to leave this place until I know that I'm ready to meet the Lord today. I'm not going to wait a long time. I'm going to wait just a minute. I'm talking to you. If I were to ask everybody in this room to raise their hands, if they knew that they knew that they knew where they would go if they went out into eternity today, if you couldn't raise your hand that you know that, I'm asking you right now. Nobody's going to judge you. I'm, I'm way past that. Nobody's going to judge you. I'm asking you to step out from where you are and make your way to this altar. If you're watching online, I'm asking you to, to find a place of prayer right there where you are. Anybody in this room today? The rest of you can look at me. What God did for the praying believers of the first century church, I believe He can do for the praying believers of the 21st century church. Anybody else believe that? What He did for them, He can do for us. I believe with every fiber of my being that it all hinges on if we will pray. Let me close today with this powerful quote from Charles Spurgeon. I want you to let this sink in for just a minute. Think about this. He was one of the most powerful preachers. He said, all hell is vanquished when the believer bows his knee in importunate supplication. Beloved brethren, let us pray. We cannot all argue. Lord knows in the day we're living in. This is so true. Matter of fact, can we stop arguing? Can I get an amen, somebody? Can we stop arguing? We can't all argue, but we can all do what? Pray. We cannot all be leaders, but we can all be pleaders. We cannot all be mighty in rhetoric, but we can all be prevalent in prayer. I would sooner see you eloquent with God than with men. Prayer links us to the eternal, the omnipotent, the infinitive. And hence it is our chief resort. Listen at this. Be sure. Be sure that you are with God. And then you may be sure that God is with you.